That's a resting music. I love that piece. It's a movement by Joseph Hallman from a larger work called Imagined Landscapes, Six Lovecraftian Elsewheres. And we heard movement three. The musicians are Inscape. Richard Skirbo is the music director of Inscape. Here, the musicians have been instructed to play their instruments, of course, but as you heard quite clearly, they've also been instructed to yell and to speak. Welcome to Relevant Tones. I'm Seth Bosted. Today's program is called Above and Beyond. I'm thinking about performers who are asked to go above and beyond by composers. And what I mean by that is, of course, the performers are highly trained on their instruments. A violinist spends many, many years learning how to make a beautiful tone from his instrument. But there are instances in which a composer thinks to himself, you know, that person playing the violin is a violinist, but he's also a person capable of stomping his feet, walking around on the stage, vocalizing, uh, all kinds of dramatic gestures like this. And so composers are taking advantage of this more and more. There's a kind of theatricality inherent in pieces like this. The first known instance that I could find of this was from West Side Story in the Mambo by Leonard Bernstein, where he has all of the instrumentalists. They're playing, of course, but they're also instructed to yell the word Mambo. Let's hear just a little bit of this. great moment, isn't it? The Mambo movement of West Side Story by Leonard Bernstein. He's got them all yelling Mambo. There's such energy there. I can imagine composers at the time thinking, gee, why didn't we think of that? Of course, they're not just instrumentalists. They're also humans. They can yell. They can do all of these wonderful things. The next instance I found was from George Crumb, who did it quite a lot in the macrocosmos in Vox Ballonet. He has the flute player also playing crotales, which of course they're not trained to do. In Black Angels, he has them speaking, playing a variety of different percussion instruments. And so on today's program, I'm going to explore this theme a little bit and play a lot of pieces by composers, again, who have asked their performers to go above and beyond the call of duty. A particularly theatrical example of this idea is De Profundis by Frederick Shevsky for Speaking Pianist. This is a large-scale work. It's over a half an hour long, and it's inspired by a letter that Oscar Wilde wrote to his friend and lover while he was in jail. The letter is uh, called De Profundis, which means from the depths, and it is kind of a uh, mea culpa in a way. He's uh, regretting the lifestyle that they had that led to his imprisonment for indecency, and then he's also talking about a kind of spiritual conversion that's come over him since he's been in prison. I think Shevsky's done a marvelous job of having the pianist dramatize this text, and the musical accompaniment on the piano I think works perfectly. Let's have a listen to as much as we can of De Profundis for Speaking Pianist. Here's Milton Schlosser performing and, of course, speaking. Thank you. 
and say, that is where the artistic life leads a man. Well, it might lead to worse places. Mechanical people to whom life is a shrewd speculation depending on calculation always know where they are going and go there. They start with the ideal desire of being the parish beetle and they succeed in being the parish beetle and no more. A man whose desire it is to be something separate from himself succeeds in being what he wants to be. That is his punishment. Those who want a mask have to wear it. But with the dynamic forces of life, it is different. People who desire self-realization never know where they are going. They can't know. To recognize that the soul of a man is unknowable is the ultimate achievement of wisdom. The final mystery is oneself. When one has weighed the sun in the balance and measured the steps of the moon and mapped out the seven heavens, there still remains oneself. Who can calculate the orbit of his own soul? Ba, 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 ba. Ba, 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 ba. the zanies of sorrow. We are clowns whose hearts are broken. We are specially designed to appeal to the sense of humor. On November 13, 1895, I was brought down here from London. From two o'clock till half past two on that day, I had to stand on the center platform of Clapham Junction in convict dress 
and handcuffed for the world to look at. When people saw me, they laughed. Each train swelled the audience. Nothing could exceed their amusement. That was before they knew who I was. As soon as they had been informed, they laughed still more. Ha ha! For half an hour, I stood there in the gray November rain, surrounded by a jeering mob. For a year, I wept every day at the same hour and for the same space of time. In prison, tears are a part of every day's experience. A day in prison on which one does not weep is a day on which one's heart is hard not a day on which one's heart is happy. Quite a performance by Milton Schlosser. He is playing piano and he is speaking a dramatic reading with musical accompaniment of De Profundis, text by Oscar Wilde, originally written in prison. Really kind of a mea culpa of a letter. The dramatic setting is by Frederick Shevsky. He's taken some liberties in the text. As you can hear, there's a lot of syllabic things that would not have been in the original letter, but I think it fits. It just kind of overall elucidates the egotism of Oscar Wilde, and yet he's kind of at a low point, and then he's searching for spirituality. That's all present in this piece because he keeps talking about himself, of course, in the text, but he really is feeling bad. He really is searching for something different. Fantastic way to use the performer here. He's not just a pianist in this case. He's also doing a dramatic reading of the letter. I want to turn now to a composer who has decided to ask the musicians to do dramatic gestures on stage. This does not involve speaking. In fact, the piece here is called Drama, and the dramatic gestures are threefold. We're going to have the violinist walk over to the piano and tap on the lid of the piano with his bow. The pianist, we won't be able to hear this on the radio, but it does happen, is instructed to mime play. The hands are actually above the keyboard, and she's pretending to play. A very dramatic gesture, of course. And then at one point, the violinist strikes what the New York Times described as a portentous pose and strikes a match holds it for a little while, and then blows it out, which we will be able to hear on the recording. These, of course, are very dramatic gestures, not related to the training that the musicians have and what they normally expect to do on stage. Let's have a listen to the first movement. This piece is scored for trio, but the first movement is actually called Sonata for Violin and Piano, so it's only the two instruments. And what I want to do is start with the very, very beginning, so you kind of get a sense of the composer's sound world and this very beautiful lyrical line in the violin. I'm going to fade that down. We're going to go up towards the end where these dramatic gestures come in. Here's Cornelius Dufalo, violin, joined by Jenny Lynn, piano, in the first movement of Drama by Valentin Silvestrov.
Now let's move up towards the end of this movement when we'll hear the dramatic gestures that I described. Thank you. 
It's Cornelius Dufalo, violin with Jenny Lynn piano, again performing the first movement of Drama by Valentin Silvestrov. And here the performers have definitely gone above and beyond the training that they received in school. There's nowhere in a conservatory environment where you are taught how to properly light a match on stage. That's the composer asking the performers to do something in addition to their training. The next piece I want to feature is, I think, a performer going above and beyond in two ways. One, it's called Counting Duets by Tom Johnson. This has been a very popular piece by a lot of groups. It was championed by 8th Blackbird. And here, the composer has asked the performers to put aside their instruments entirely, and they literally are counting with each other rhythmically. But the version that I want to play is a solo album by Tim Monroe, who was the flutist for 8th Blackbird for many, many years, and of course performed it with 8th Blackbird. But here in the solo version, he's kind of challenged himself to go above and beyond again, because he's going to do the duets with himself. It's a fantastic version of the piece. We're going to play one movement of it. This is Tim Monroe with Tim Monroe, Counting Duets by Tom Johnson. One, one, two... Two, three, three, four, four, five, five, six, six, seven, seven, eight, eight. One, one, two, two, three, four, three, five, six, four, seven, eight, five, six, nine, seven, eight, ten, nine, ten, eleven, eleven, twelve, twelve. One, one, two, three, two, four, five, six, three, seven, eight, nine, four, ten, eleven, twelve, five, six, seven, thirteen, eight, nine, ten, fourteen, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fifteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, sixteen. One, one, two, three, four, two, five, six, seven, eight. Three, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, four, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, five, six, seven, eight, seventeen, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, eighteen, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, nineteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty. One, one, two, three, four, five, two, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, three, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. Four, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, five, six, seven, eight, nine, twenty-one, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, twenty-two, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty-three, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-four. One, one, two, three, four, five, six, two, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, three. 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 4, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 25, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 26, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 27, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 28. 1, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 2. 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 3, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 4, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 29, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 
I don't have this information at my fingertips, but I suspect that the composer of that piece, Tom Johnson, watched a lot of Sesame Street when he was young and was particularly captivated by the Count. <laughs> There's such a manic intensity that Tim Monroe brings to that performance of Counting Duets. I've heard that piece in countless, well, <laughs> so to speak, incarnations over the years, but uh, what, what Tim does with it is so great. There's humor in his voice. There's intensity, even some anger at times. And you think to yourself, is this ever going to stop? He could just go on <laughs> forever. Let's move now to a larger ensemble piece. This is by composer Joseph Holman. This is a new piece for me. I had not heard it before, but when I was researching the program, I came across this piece in which he's asking all of the performers to speak in some places, to murmur and to whisper to all of the things that fit the theme of the show today. And then I was immediately captivated also by the title of the piece. It's called Imagined Landscapes, Six Lovecraftian Elsewheres. And as a lifelong fan of H.P. Lovecraft, I was very curious what the composer would do, inspired by uh, Lovecraft's brand of gothic horror. I opened the show today with the third movement, but now I'm going to return to the piece. And because that third movement is so short, I'm going to go ahead and just play the whole piece. It's in six movements, and I want to really put it in context for you. Now, he's not asking the performers to go above and beyond, so to speak, in each of the movements. But nonetheless, I think it's a fantastic piece. And I want you to hear it all. So let's have a listen. This is Inscape, Richard Skirbo, director, performing Joseph Holman's Imagined Landscapes, Six Lovecraftian Elsewheres. Thank you. 
Thank you.
That's music by Joseph Hallman. We heard Imagined Landscapes, Six Lovecraftian Elsewheres, all six movements. Great performance by Inscape. Richard Skirbo is the director of Inscape. It's a piece I didn't know before I was researching this program, Above and Beyond. This is composers who are asking performers to do things that kind of fly outside of their training. If you're a violinist, you didn't train to sing or to give dramatic readings or even to whisper or murmur. These are simple things that people can do on stage, but they wouldn't have done it on their own. It's not included in their training. It took a composer to push them, to ask them to do it. And actually, in a way, it comes about from a composer thinking of a performer as a human being. Yes, you're a violinist, but you're also a human being. You can also speak and sing and do these other wonderful things. It's a great piece by Joseph Hallman. You're listening to Relevant Tones, a show featuring the music of contemporary composers. Today's theme is above and beyond. Composers asking performers to do things on stage that are outside of, sometimes far outside of, their traditional training. To subscribe to our podcast or for streaming versions of this and all previous episodes, you can visit relevanttones.com. Today's program is called Above and Beyond, and I'm featuring performers who are willing to go above and beyond the call of duty, so to speak. If you're a violinist, you work so hard to play the violin, and that's really what you do. And now all of a sudden, a composer comes along, and he wants you to also do a dramatic reading or stomp your feet or move around on stage, light a match, all these crazy things that you weren't trained to do in school. It takes a special kind of performer to be open-minded enough to want to do this. And of course, it takes an imaginative composer to imagine these ideas and to communicate them effectively in the score, and I think to talk the performers into doing them. The next piece I want to play is by composer Martin Bresnik, who has had quite a wonderful career and is a very imaginative composer. He's written many pieces for his wife, the fabulous pianist Lisa Moore, including the piece I'm going to play here, Willie's Way. This is one of a handful of pieces for solo piano that Martin Bresnik has written, inspired by Willie Dixon, and especially a tune called Spoonful. This piece, Willie's Way, is essentially a theme and variations on that tune. And here he's asking the pianist to do all kinds of dramatic things, including snap her fingers, beat her lap, even slap herself in the face at one point. Let's hear a live performance of Willie's Way by Lisa Moore. It's a longer piece, so we're going to hear an excerpt. Here we are, just a little ways from the end of the piece. Again, Lisa Moore in a live performance, Willie's Way by Martin Bresnik.
That's the last few minutes of Willie's Way by Martin Bresnick. We heard Lisa Moore, his wife and muse, performing. And here she is singing. She's snapping her fingers, beating her lap, even at one point slapping herself in the face. Music inspired by Willie Dixon and an imaginative treatment of the tune Spoonful. Let's return now to music for larger ensemble. Again, our theme today is Above and Beyond. Composers asking performers to go above and beyond the call of duty on stage, things that they did not train for when they were in school. We're turn to an ensemble piece by Chinese-American composer Huang Ro, who's having a great career. He's such an imaginative composer. Really always have been a fan of these cycles, the drama theater cycles, and we're going to do drama theater cycle number four, to the Four Corners, which is scene two. In this piece, I feel like Huang Ro is evoking ancient Asian drama. You hear all the things that you would expect to hear, the kind of sense of mystery, the sense of drama, of course, the vocalizing, but there's this intense quality to the vocalizations that uh, definitely conjure up no drama or ancient Chinese theater in many, many ways. He's done a wonderful job of bringing that world to life. We're going to hear about half of this piece, again, To the Four Corners, scene two from drama theater cycle number four. Performers are Future in Reverse, conducted by the composer himself.
That's the last half of scene two of To the Four Corners, drama theater cycle number four by Huang Ro, who we heard conducting his ensemble Future in Reverse or Fire. It's a marvelously evocative piece of music. Very interesting use of the performers, too. Definitely fits our theme on today's program of Above and Beyond. That's pretty much all the time we have on today's program, Above and Beyond, but there are no shortage of pieces out there, no shortage of composers asking performers to do fun, interesting, fascinating, creepy, strange, theatrical things in addition to play their instruments. I thought it'd be fun to go out with the piece called Clapping Music by Steve Reich. This piece was originally designed to be played on only the human body. This is the only instrument that's required, the human body. It's, of course, performed by percussionists, but more to the point, it's performed by a lot of non-percussionists. Here's a performance by pianist Pierre-Laurent Aymar performing with himself, multi-tracked. Enjoy. Relevant Tones is produced by Jesse McCorders, with special thanks to Christina Elsner. You can find us as a podcast on iTunes, and for more information about the program and the artists we've featured, and for streaming versions of all previous episodes, you can visit us at relevanttones.com. Relevant Tones is made possible in part by the generous support of GCM Grubner, the Aaron Copeland Fund for Music, the Amphion Foundation, and the listener supporters of the WFMT Fine Arts Circle. This project is supported in part by an award from the National Endowment for the Arts, Art Works. I'm Seth Bosted, and this is the WFMT Radio Network. <laughs>